Podcast. I'm your host, Cade Marks, and today I'm joined by my brother, Casey Marks. Hello, guys. Yeah, he's the one who designed those new logos for the podcast that I'm sure you've, you've seen in, the, in whatever your podcast feed is, so we have him to thank for that. Uh, today, we're going to talk about several things, some big news items. I'm going to give some of my impressions on The Last of Us Part 2, which I haven't finished, but I certainly have strong opinions of it so far, but I'll try to be pretty vague because I really don't want to spoil any of that game for anybody who wants to go in new. So, we're also going to talk about the new character that got added to Smash Bros, because Casey's been playing that a lot, the new Animal Crossing update. We're gonna, I'm, I'm going to talk about a book recommendation that I give for anybody who's into fantasy books, or even if they aren't into fantasy but are uh, considering giving it a shot. We're going to talk about a board game we've been playing in a new segment coming up called Lost Cities. Well, that's the name of the game, not the segment. And uh, in the main segment for the podcast, I'm going to talk about my top five essential companion apps for anybody who loves movies. After that, I'll insert the gag lines trial from that second episode that Jacob and I recorded way back and then I never aired. So look forward to that. That's, that's our plan for the podcast. So we're going to get started with uh, with the news for today. So the first big news item I came across is that editor-in-chief Andy McNamara is leaving Game Informer after working there for 29 years. He's been there since the inception of the magazine. And that's comes as something of a shock to me because I've been reading Game Informer magazine for the better part of my life at this point, And I've been listening to the podcast for several years and it was already a blow when last year, like six different staff members got laid off. Kyle Hilliard, Suriel Vasquez, Imran Khan, JV Gwaltney, Matt Burtz, Elise Favis. Uh, I hope I'm not missing any. And so it seems like Game Informer is really quickly losing a lot of their staff. And part of that is because of GameStop's failure in the last few years. And... Then uh, Ben Hansen, their video editor and podcast host, also left last year after the layoffs to start a new company, MinMax, who I actually support on Patreon, and they make really good content. They've got a great podcast and several different shows that they do on their YouTube channel, so I recommend you go check that out. Also, Leaving Game Informer recently announced right after Andy McNamara announced he was leaving are Leo Vader and Matthew Cotto, and Leo Vader is a really, really funny guy, and it's going to be... A shame to not have him on the podcast anymore, but he announced that he'll be joining MinMax, Ben Hansen's company, at least part-time over there with uh, Ben, Kyle Hilliard, Serial Vasquez, and some more old GI folks. So it's exciting to see what they've got coming next in their life, but it's also kind of a bummer for those of us who have been following Game Informer for a long time and have really gotten to know these guys through the podcast and through their writing. Uh, next event, uh, next piece of news, rather, is... Evo has been canceled, and it's not for the reasons you might be thinking, because... Uh, just taking a second to pause, as I'm editing this, I realized I didn't actually explain what Evo is. So for those of you who don't know, Evo is the largest esports event for fighting games. So that includes Super Smash Bros., Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, etc. Alright, um, gonna resume the podcast now. Evo has been canceled, and it's not for the reasons you might be thinking, because... A lot of big conventions and tournaments have been canceled because of COVID-19. But this one was actually going to move into an online format, but that itself has been canceled because of allegations against the tournament co-founder, Tony Skueller. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. 
because he's been accused of sexual misconduct in allegations involving young boys, apparently. Yeah, that's not what you want to hear. And that comes on the tail of several recent allegations all across the games industry from every sector. I mean, there were allegations at IGN and the journalism side, at Ubisoft and other companies on the development side, now eSports, and it's just been really rough few weeks for the games industry. And don't get me wrong, I think it's incredible that these women are coming out and making allegations against the guys who have been abusing them. And I'm all for it. And it's just kind of a bummer that all of this is going on and it still happens. So hopefully the result of all this is that the games industry will start being more precious with its human resources. So in slightly lighter news, Hamilton got released on Disney Plus. The filmed version of the famous Broadway play. I haven't checked it out yet, so I don't really have any impressions. I assume you haven't seen it either, Casey? I have not seen it. So, we don't really have much to talk about on that front. Something that both of us do very much care about, Tenet has been delayed from July 17th to July 30th. I'm assuming it's going to be delayed again, because frankly, it doesn't seem like things are going to be opening up again by the 30th, especially movie theaters. So, you, Casey and I really are big fans of Christopher Nolan and all his movies. We'll probably have a podcast coming up soon where we talk about and rank each of his movies. Uh, at this point, I just want the movie to be delayed until enough people can actually go to theaters that it can be successful, because I don't want Warner Brothers to see that as a failure, that they invested hundreds of millions in this movie and won't even be able to show it for a profit. So hopefully they keep delaying that until it's ready to be released. At the same time, it's a huge bummer because you and I are really, really looking forward to that movie. Yes, we are. Yeah, the trailers look incredible. And the weirdest thing <laughs> in the news segment this week, Jason Momoa has been cast as Frosty the Snowman in a new live-action remake. Thoughts? This is very strange to me. I've not heard of this news until now. I am surprised. I'm not sure I quite understand it, but <laughs> guess yeah, we'll I mean, just have to see what happens. When you watch the old Frosty the Snowman, doesn't Jason Momoa come to mind? Always. All right, so I, I guess we can move past that. I mean, maybe it's not such big news. We all knew it was coming. <laughs> so now I'm going to give my impressions on The Last of Us Part 2. And if you're somebody who knows you're going to play the game, you just haven't gotten around to it yet, and you don't want anything, anything at all spoiled, I'm not going to go into any deep uh, story spoilers. I'm only going to talk about like vague impressions of, of the character work and the gameplay. But if you don't want to hear any of that, go ahead and just skip past it. I'll have timestamps in the description for the podcast if you want to just skip this part of the discussion. So, with that said... Starting my my discussion now, so here we go. It is incredible so far. I, I think I'm a little more than halfway through the game. I'm about 12 hours in, I'd say. There's so much narrative complexity and character development in this game. I think it even surpasses the first game. The acting is the best acting I've ever seen in a video game. I think even surpassing Red Dead Redemption 2 and the first Last of Us. So, if you're somebody who likes video games and like story in video games, this is something that you have to check out. That said, it can be pretty brutal. There's a lot of violence, and it really steps it up, even from the first game. There's, like, stabbing enemies in the neck and hearing them choke on blood, and it's it's pretty disgusting, but it also kind of drives the point across that 
maybe there's some moral ambiguity to all this violence. Maybe you're not always the good guys. I'm not going to say any more because I really don't want to spoil anything. So they've also added several gameplay elements to make it more varied and make the uh, combat a little more modern compared to the first game, which came out in 2013, I believe. So you can now go prone and crawl under like large trucks or into vents and things like that. You can break glass windows to enter buildings, which is really satisfying. It makes a really satisfying shatter noise. And like I mentioned, it's very violent. Also, something that I haven't personally checked out to a great extent, but that I've heard of on Twitter and from some people who I've listened to talking about the game, it's incredibly accessible. It's a landmark achievement in terms of accessibility for video games. So that involves being able to modify the game in several ways to make it easier for yourself. Also has several options for um, disabled gamers so that they have the opportunity to experience the game like the rest of us. So that's incredible. I hope more games and more developers take note of this and add more accessibility to their games because it's certainly an issue and it's a lot of great improvements have been made in the last few years like with the xbox adaptive controller coming out for disabled gamers to be able to play their way and i think it's great so moving on to things casey knows a lot about you've been playing a lot of smash bros over the last few months and they just released a new character min min right and she's from arms yeah she is from the video game nintendo switch exclusive arms and what what are her moves like? How does she play? Basically, um, she is kind of a zoner with melee attacks. So she does not excel necessarily in close-range combat. Okay. Um, I don't know what a lot of that means because I don't play as much Smash as you. But is she... Like, general impressions. Is she good? I think she could be good if she is played by people that are good at zoning but i'm personally not that's just not my gameplay style she is a fun character i don't think she's amazing by any means but i'd say about average all right so if we're gonna talk about super smash bros ultimate what's kept you with the game this long i mean i picked it up on launch and played it with my friends several times but you've definitely invested in this game a lot more heavily than me does it maybe have something to do with keeping connected with your friends now that you can't meet up with them personally? Yeah, especially now that um, this whole COVID situation is occurring. Uh, I have been trying to reach out to my friends more online and play some games with them. Um, Smash Bros. has been one of those games. Basically, it's just a really fun game to play with your friends, and I don't know. I like it. Yeah. I mean, some games just have that quality. They're just innately fun. I mean, I'm not super into fighting games, so Smash isn't necessarily that for me, but games like Rainbow Six Siege and Rocket League just have an inherent like charm to them that make them super fun to play with friends. So moving on to Animal Crossing. That's another game that you and I have both played a lot of, but you definitely much more than me. And a new update just came out, which added some new features. Do you want to talk about that for a bit? Yeah, I haven't played this update much. Uh, basically, it adds a diving system where you could go in the in your island's waters and basically dive for some sea creatures, some crabs, like some oysters, it, just that kind of thing. Just adds more to that natural gameplay loop of Animal Crossing where you're looking for new things to sell them, etc. Just adds more variety, which I think is great considering... I mean, part of what turned me off from that game in the long run, why I haven't played it much recently, is I just kind of ran out of things to do and 
it was fun and all to upgrade my house and decorate, but after a while that sort of wore on me, and I think adding new things to collect will really have a better chance of bringing me back into the game. Yeah, I get that. Um, you can also donate these sea creatures to the museum, which is like a good investment in the game. Uh, I don't know, it's just good for collectors that like to track their progress, see what they've done. Um, that's the main part of the update. There is some other stuff like just some like new clothing items and a character uh, color swap change. That's pretty much it. Huh. Cool. Yeah, I'll be checking it out at some point. You've also... Uh, this game came out in 2017, I believe. You recently beat Hollow Knight, and you've been really into it. What What about Hollow Knight has really caught your attention, and why do you love it so much? I've just enjoyed this game so much, even though it is a lot of... Um, it, it's very rage-inducing. All right, well, let's take, take a step back and explain what the game is for people. So it's a 2D platformer Metroidvania game, and for those of you who don't know what a Metroidvania is, it's games in the lineage of games like Metroid and Castlevania, where you yeah. <laughs> it involves platforming and combat aspects, but you also gain new abilities which allow you to access new areas, and that's basically the core mechanic that makes uh, Metroidvania. So what about this one is so special? Um, I actually have not played many Metroidvanias before, but... It's just, it's so immersive, it's very lore-driven, and it's just a beautiful game, has yeah. beautiful That's graphics. what I've noticed watching you play it, is that the art in that game is stunning. Yes, spectacular. And it also has great music, so you could kind of just sit back and play, enjoy the music. But can you sit back and play? <laughs> because from what I've heard, this game is up there with some of the more notorious games that have come out in the last decade or so in terms of difficulty. That is a good point. You could sit back when you're just like exploring the the kingdom, but there are a lot of difficult boss fights in the game. Um, some are optional. Most of them, of course, it's a Metroidvania, so most of them are required. And uh, basically, you like defeat a boss it gives you some item that you use to go to a new area or fight another boss. Uh, that's kind of it. All right. Well, I've played some of that game, but I'll definitely have to give it more of a shot in the future. I just got a lot on my backlog right now. I have to finish Last of Us Part Two. I want to go back to Fire Emblem Three Houses at some point. I mean, we've got Ghost of Tsushima coming out soon, so I'm going to have to play that. I don't know. It's a lot, but I'm not complaining. It's a lot of fun games and movies and board games and stuff to play and watch, and I enjoy it all. So, now, something new for the podcast. I'm going to give a book recommendation. And recently, in the last few years, just for a little background, I've been getting into fantasy books especially, but reading more in general. It's something I used to do a ton when I was younger in, like, elementary school, and I've just sort of fallen off of the habit after, I guess, getting video games, <laughs> honestly. But uh, one series I've been reading lately that I've really enjoyed is the Gentleman Bastard series. And it basically takes place in a sort of European light fantasy setting where magic doesn't... Magic is a pretty small element of it. Like there's alchemy and stuff like that. But for the most part, it's just about these thieves in this world, in this really harsh criminal world 
where they have to constantly come up with bigger schemes and heists to rob the nobles in their society. And some of the things that attract me to it the most are the incredible characters in that book. There's especially two characters that are best friends in the book, Locke and Jean, who are great friends, and their friendship is thoroughly compelling throughout the series. I'm only on the second book right now, but as far as I've read, it's incredible. There are also some super clever parts of the books where they plan out heists and you get to watch those plans unfurl and it's incredibly entertaining as far as fantasy goes it's kind of like fantasy oceans 11 if you can imagine that so i thoroughly recommend that book series moving on another new segment i'm calling this one the next chess and i mentioned on my update episode a little while ago that I've been getting really into board games lately, so I've got a ton of new board games, and I think I'm going to do an episode in the future about how to start a board game collection, if that's something you're interested in. So for this next chess segment, I'm going to just talk about some more modern two-player games, usually 1v1 games, that I've had a really good time with. So the one I'm going to talk about on this episode is Lost Cities, and that's a game Casey and I have been playing a lot during quarantine when we've been stuck at home. And it's kind of like a card game where you have five different card colors, six if you're playing the more advanced variant, and each one has a number on it, counting up to ten. And you have to play cards from your hand um, in ascending order, so you want to play the lower cards first of each color in each category. And then at the end, you add up all of your cards, the numbers on the cards, and then subtract twenty, and add whatever bonuses you got, and the person who has the most points at the end wins. And I think what makes it such a great two-player game is that you really have to plan ahead with those cards that you set up for future um, points. You have to be really careful about what risks you take in terms of playing points down, because like I said, you have to put the cards down in ascending order. So if you've only got some high cards in your hand, then if you put those down, you're risking not being able to play lower cards when you draw them later. So... If you're into card games at all, I highly recommend that one. We've played it a ton, and it's, at this point, one of my favorite card games that I've played. So that was a really brief segment, but moving on from that, here's maybe the main part of the podcast that I wanted to go over. So here are the top five essential companion apps for cinephiles. So just to clarify, I'm not talking about apps that you can stream movies from. I'm talking about apps that you go to to figure out movies you want to watch or share reviews about those movies or uh, just find out information about those movies. So I'm going to work through uh, five of those in case you can help me out with that. So starting at number five, and this one's a little bit of cop out because with that um, restriction I said earlier about only having companion apps, I kind of struggled to make it to five, but four isn't, I don't know, as good of a number for lists so nice to ring yeah right so my number five is your local movie theater app so for us that would be harkins because we live in arizona where there are a ton of harkins theaters all around so if you get your local uh movie theaters app it's a great way to support them by i don't know buying gift cards or popcorn or anything like that when they're unable to actually sell tickets during the COVID situation. So it's a great way to support your local movie theater. It's also great for figuring out movie times when you want to go to a movie, but don't want to look through the newspaper, I guess. So that's, that's the number five. Moving on to number four is Flickster. And I mentioned being able to see showtimes in your local movie theater app, but this 
goes one step further and shows you showtimes for all the movie theaters anywhere nearby for a movie when you click on it. It also gives you the Rotten Tomato scores for movies, which is a really great quick reference if you want to just get a general consensus of what reviewers and audiences think. So that's my number four. Um, have you used Flickster before? I have not. I haven't even heard of this app until now. Yeah, well, I guess you'll have to check it out after the show. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, it's great. for. I, I've used it for the last few years, ever since one of my film teachers recommended it to basically, like I said, get a general understanding of what people think of the movies and also to uh, check showtimes near me when I want to go see a movie with my friends or whatever. So, Also, they used to have their own streaming service, like a Flickster video thing, but I think that doesn't exist anymore. You also have the ability to rate movies that you've seen. But I'll get to an app later in this list that I think is better for rating movies and sharing your reviews. My number three is an app that I came up with an idea for, but then I went to the app store and found that it already existed. And that's because it's just such a useful tool that maybe you wouldn't think of, but once you have it, you use it for everything. And that app is Just Watch. What it is is essentially a database of movies and TV shows and the platforms that they're streaming on. So if you want to watch a movie but you don't know where it's streaming or whether it's streaming at all, you can type that movie into Just Watch and it'll pull up a list of where you can stream the movie if it's streaming for free anywhere or where you can rent it if you're willing to pay a few bucks. So that is something that I use all the time when I want to scratch a movie off the backlog and figure out where I can watch it, whether that's Amazon Prime, Netflix something more obscure. They've got a ton of streaming platforms. You can even select the ones that you have and then see a list of new releases on all those specific platforms. So that's a super useful one. I assume you haven't um, downloaded that app either. I have not. All right, so one that I am pretty sure you have is IMDb. Yes, I do. Now, anybody who's even slightly into movies probably knows about IMDb, the International Movie Database, which is the go-to source when you think, huh, that person looks familiar, but I can't remember their name, or what else have I seen them in? Because it's an enormous database that's super easy to use of all the different movies you could think of and actors. You can click on a movie and see the actors in it, the um, all the rest of the cast, the director, a bunch of interesting trivia about it, some taglines that describe the movie, a plot summary. It's got all the information you need about movies if you're trying to figure out what one was or what you've seen a specific actor in. Or something like that so yeah most movies i watch and there's at least like one voice or face that i see or hear and just can't quite pin a name on them so i use imdb and figure out who they are and what i know them from we've also kind of just in our own time when we've been bored made up games that we could play in imdb <laughs> yeah that's true kind of like the six degrees of kevin bacon except we have to like click through links on a movie between different actors to get from one movie to another movie <laughs> so you can do a lot with imdb make up your own games just use it for information whatever you want but that's one that i would consider essential for anybody who wants to keep up with movies or find out who directed this movie, or what else have I seen this person in? Which is such a common question when you watch as many movies and TV shows as we do. So, my number one companion app for cinephiles, for movie lovers, is Letterboxd. And it's one I've mentioned on the show before. I've said, if you want to follow me, you can find me on Twitter or Letterboxd. And Letterboxd is essentially a social media platform for movie lovers. And I mean that in that you can follow anybody you want. I know we're following each other. You can make lists of movies and share them. You can um, add modifiers to rank those lists. 
You can also uh, rate and review every movie you watch and also log those movies into a journal so that if you're wondering, huh, I wonder how many movies I watched last month, you can just go into your journal and scroll through it and see all the movies you've watched. And it's such an incredible resource. I, I've made like 20-something lists on there already. Maybe more. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of a list fanatic, so if you're interested in any of the lists I've made, I've made like rankings of directors movies that i've seen if i've done for several directors and also like my favorite sci-fi movies my favorite movies of all time so that's a movie that we both use a ton what do you have to say about it yeah i i use this a lot or at least i used to uh, i haven't really watched many movies recently but i will get back into that and i will use this app like every time i watch a movie just log it so i don't forget that i did watch this movie movie before yeah, when you watch as many movies as we do, you run the risk of forgetting that you've seen a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I know, we, we were watching, um, what was that movie called, With uh, directed by Denis Villeneuve, oh, Prisoners, with our mom, and she was like, huh, what's this movie? I've never heard of it, and then we put it on, and like five minutes after we started, she's like, I think I've seen this movie. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, true. if you are curious about that and want to know if you've seen a movie before, it's nice to be able to go back and check the ones that you've logged, and super useful you can also organize all the movies you've seen by like pulling up all of the horror movies you've seen sorting them by your rating and it's such a useful tool as well as being a nice social media platform for just checking the movies in different ways like how you've ranked them what year they came out etc so incredible app i definitely recommend it for anybody who has even a slightly above average passion in for movies so that said um, I think that's the majority of the material for this podcast. We kind of went through it pretty fast. I'm going to insert in here the gag lines trial, the game that I made up that I ran with Jacob in the recording we made for our second podcast a while back that didn't actually surface. So I'm going to air that now. Enjoy it. So now that we've gotten past our segments for this week's podcast, we are going to have a trial run of the new game that I made for this podcast. So this can since only it's go this, well. Yeah, since it's just the two of us, I'm just going to quiz you since Ooh. you don't really have anybody to compete against. And go on. We'll just keep a leaderboard for all of the guests that come on the show and play the game of scores, high scores. You'll essentially be competing with yourself and everybody else who comes on the podcast. No pressure. So this game is called Gag Lines, and it's... A game making fun of all the stupid marketing taglines that people have come up with for movies recently. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you off a certain number of taglines from a movie. And after every clue I give you, after after every tagline, you get to make one guess as to what that movie is. And the faster you can guess it, the more points you'll get. Got it. Hopefully they're all movies I've seen. They are, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> I okay. tried to pick movies that you've seen. So the first round, I'm going to give you five clues. The second round, I'm going to give you three clues for the second movie. And the last round, I'm only going to give you one tagline. And the reason for that is not many movies have five full taglines. So I had to <laughs> split it up in a way where I'll be able to find a bunch of movies for this to work. But then those... So the first uh, round with five clues, if you get it on the first clue, you'll get five points. Second clue, you'll get four points, etc. And if you don't get it until the last clue, you'll get one point. Right. On the second round, it's five points, three points, one point for each clue. And then on the third round with the third movie where there's only one clue, you have one chance to get three points. All right. So movie number one, 
the first tagline for this movie, it will blow you through the back wall of the theater. God, that's so generic. Yep, they're going to get more and more specific, so it'll become easier as it goes on. Okay, well, next tagline, Do you have please. one guess? Do you want to make a guess? Um, Just make a random uh, guess if you don't have anything in mind. Fast and Furious. No, I, I, I got, I'm trying to remember the one the one Fast and Furious that we watched with Brendan and Nick. But, Fate um, of the Furious. Fate of the Furious, yeah, that one. Incorrect. <laughs> ah. Number two. He's the only chance anyone has got. <laughs> um, nineteen seventeen. Nope. Good guess All though. Right. All right. Guess number three. This is where it starts getting more specific. All righty. Forty stories of sheer adventure. I'm I'm starting to think of that one Dwayne Johnson movie where he's like the skyscraper movie, but I don't think that's it. Okay. Um. Well. You can make a guess. Sure. No, I know it's not. That's not a sure skyscraper. Why not? That is incorrect. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. It's Christmas Eve in L.A. and the party actually is about to explode on the floor. Yeah, it's Die Hard. Very similar to skyscraper, I suppose. Yeah. Not. So you'll. Well, you'll I've get never one... seen ni- either of those, but. Oh. Huh, I thought you had seen yeah. Die Hard for some reason. We'll All I know is Die Hard is a Christmas movie, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you'll get two points for that one. All right, on to film number two. This is one I know you've seen. All Tagline right. number one, break free. That's it. Break free. Break free. Shawshank Redemption. No, but that's a good guess. Tagline number two. All right. An adventure too big for the real world. Onwards? No. Alright, final hint for this second film. Accept your reality or fight for a better one. Oh, Ready Player One. Correct. Ah, let's go. (laughs) So you've got two out of the three movies so far. That's another one point for that one since you got it on the last guess. Dude, one point. Let's go. Or two. You're points. up to just. You have a lot of room for improvement. Yeah, it's well, making a, it a sustainable quiz format because you haven't gotten the max score in the first week. So that's that's good. <laughs> All right. All right. Final film. If you can get this, there's only one hint. But if you can get it, you'll get three more points and bring your total up to five points for the week. I I have a preemptive guess, but I'm not. I'm I'm gonna tell you whether or not my preemptive guess is right after after this. Well, go ahead and give me your guess, but I Ford I v. Ferrari. <laughs> I considered it because the whole, for listeners, the concept of this game came from us making fun of the Ford v. Ferrari tagline, which I believe is something like, "They're taking the American dream for a ride." Yeah, it's awful. It's pretty bad. So that gave me the idea to make fun of other stupid marketing taglines. But here's the tagline for the final movie: "Heroes aren't born; they're built." Oh, no, I, I know this one. Dang. Um, I'm trying to think of that, like, robot boxing movie with Hugh Jackson. but Hugh Jackman? Hugh, Hugh just, yeah, Hugh Jackman. Sure. I know the name of the movie you're thinking of, but I won't say it because I don't want to That's give not you... It. Um, you're right. Unless... It is not that. That w- that would be a real steal, but that is not the answer. Real, ah, uh, real steal, yeah. Uh, 
I was trying to think of the name of that movie. Uh, Heroes Not Born, they're built. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of people building robots that fight, honestly. <laughs> I, my first thought heroes. was like Anakin building C three PO, but the uh, heroes, that was, Jacob. Think heroes. Um, heroes aren't born; they're built. My Hero Academia. No, I I don't That's even know anime. the plot of that. I don't even know the plot of that. I just know it's hero. Um, I'm what gonna have to hero pass. Is built. Okay. Um, I'll say it. The Rock I mean, is if, built. If you're giving up. That was Iron Man, the original Iron Man from 2008. Oh, damn. Yep. I mean, heck, oh well. Shoot. You're starting off strong with two points on the leaderboard. <laughs> so I'll right, write take that, that down. Whoever's next. Probably you. We'll see. Wow. Thrilling, I, I'm the right? world record holder. All right. Well, that's been this week's episode of the Week Critique Podcast. If you want to write in with any feedback or questions, game suggestions, or just anything you want to us to respond to on the show, send us an email at theweekcritique at gmail.com. That's week spelled W-E-E-K. You can find me on Twitter at at Cade Marks and on Letterboxd at Cinemarks, spelled C-I-N-E-M-A-R-K-S. How about you, Jacob? Where can the people find you? Uh, people can find me at Jacob underscore 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 E. Three underscores. Twitter. Three underscores. Three underscores. I was going to make it five, but that just seemed excessive. Three is excessive already, Jacob. Uh, well, thank you. Well, I'm a man of excessiveness. <laughs> thank you for joining me this week on our second full podcast. Thanks for everybody who's taken the time to listen. And until the next one, so long. Bye.